and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all of that good stuff and more. Today's podcast is going to be fantastic. And as a matter of fact, our first segment today will be about the holidays. That's right, the holidays and your dog. Everything you need to know about having your guests over and how to deal with that to what foods your dog maybe shouldn't be eating and a little bit more. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. Of course, we have our Breed of the Week. And after our Breed of the Week, we have our guest spot. Joining me today is Jesse Monkey Man Moore and his wife, Danielle Moore. And they're going to be talking about their monkeys and a little bit of the work they do. And it's going to be fantastic. Then we'll finish finish things off today with our listener Q&A, of course. Be sure you check that out as well. Now, one other thing I want to start adding into the show, I'm going to add a little trivia. Yes, a little dog and animal trivia. So I'm going to ask a question here in the introduction part of our show, and then at some point during the show, I'll reveal the answer. So today's question, what breed of dog is Snoopy? Yes, what breed of dog is Snoopy? And again, stick around. You'll get that answer at some point in today's podcast. So sit Stay and enjoy. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's all about the holidays and your pets. There really are a lot of things to think about when it comes to the holidays and your animals. And, you know, the first thing I think is that maybe pets get pushed to the side a little bit. They're not the priority. They kind of get put on the back burner. There is a lot going on during the holidays, you know. So it's understandable to some degree, but... That's the first thing I think we have to recognize is that we don't want to let our pets get pushed too much back because behavior will slip, especially, right? We've got family coming in town. We've got baking going on nonstop. We've got the cousins that maybe we don't like so much that will be staying with us for a week. All these different things that are definitely going to have an effect on your dog. So, it's important that you recognize that maybe we, we, we try not make an effort tr- to try not to do that. Try not to let them get to the back burner. And so that brings me to the first point. We don't want to let our boundaries and rules just go out the door just because it's holiday time, just because there's a lot going on. We've got to keep those rules in place and those boundaries in place. So that's the first thing you really want to recognize with the holidays. Um, now, you know, come on, there's, there's, there's a lot of stress <laughs> going on, a lot of things happening and your dog picks up on that energy. So a good way to make sure that that doesn't affect them too much in a bad way or an undesired way, and then start bringing out undesired behaviors, really the best way to tackle it walks and exercise. Okay, again, it goes in making them a priority, making sure we're not letting the rules and badges slip. First thing we were going to do is go back to basics, making sure we're walking and exercising them over the holiday season. Okay. Making sure we're not getting lazy with it and keeping those rules in place. But that exercise is really important. It's going to put your dog in a better state of mind and maybe get them a little bit exhausted. And I always say a tired dog is a happy dog and a tired dog is a happy owner. (laughs) So, or happy dog is a happy owner. Excuse me, tired dog is a happy dog. Happy dog is a happy owner. So, uh, it's definitely something to think about. A couple days leading up to when all the family's going to come in town, maybe do a little bit of extra exercise. Maybe send them to doggy day camp an extra day that week, making sure they're getting that extra bit of energy out. And again, 
we're putting them in a good mental state of mind so they're not too affected by all the undesired kind of bad stuff maybe we associate with the holidays sometimes that they can pick up on. So exercise, 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 walks, walks, walks. And of course, you can go back and listen to my segment on how to walk your dog because of course we want to make sure we are doing a proper walk. A walk is not a walk. A walk is only a walk if it's a proper walk. So keep that in mind. Now, of course, the day that your family arrives, if you've got family coming in town to stay or hey, even just coming for the day for the holiday, make sure you go for a bigger walk that day. Make sure you get them even more exhausted day of. Okay, again, putting them in that good mental state and that way they're more apt to 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 not want to be affected, like I said, by that bad stuff. Okay, so nice long walk before everybody gets there. Then everybody's going to arrive. And that's normally when we start to start to kind of lose track of where our dog is and what our dog is doing. So the first thing I I really want to stress is introductions. My last episode, you know, I focused on a segment about the front door, how to greet people at the front door properly. And it's, it's really important. I think most people kind of discount the fact that an introduction and how we do it is vital for setting the tone for the day or for, for how that dog is going to interact with that person. So go back, listen to that front door segment, really good stuff in there and kind of break it down and teach you exactly how to get your dog calm at the front door. Uh, if you haven't visited my Instagram yet, hey, go check that out. Speak a dog cast on Instagram. I posted a good video of, of, uh, of myself greeting some people at the front door. It's from a couple, quite a few years back, uh, but we had a big pack of dogs in the house, which is always a lot of fun. And some of them were learning how to do the front door exercise. Some of them were experts at it. So it's, it's a neat video. Go check it out again on Instagram. You can check me out. Speak a dog. Podcast. You can always find me on Facebook, Speak a Dogcast. But hey, check it out. Give me a like. Give me a follow. Give me a comment. Let me know what you're thinking. I want to hear you on social media, so please do that. Uh, but again, check out that front door thing because the, the introductions are vital. Again, it's going to set the tone. So I'm not going to dive too deep into how to do that front door exercise because, again, you should go back, check it out, and you'll find out. Uh, but you have to be able to maintain control from the start. That's that's really what I mean by setting the tone, right? If I can keep that control going from the introduction, then I shouldn't have much trouble uh, keeping a consistent uh, c- keeping consistent control. Excuse me. Once we get it, all the guests arriving and all the chaos happening, so that's why that introduction is very important. Now, another thing to note: one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> One of my biggest pet peeves are people who ignore my rules with my dogs. So when Uncle Bob comes to the front door and says, oh, you don't have to make him sit and stay. I love dogs. Or, oh, I don't care if he jumps all over me. Or, oh, it's okay if he looks me obsessively. No. Well, maybe, Uncle Bob, I don't want my dog doing those things. Maybe I don't want my dog practicing those kinds of behaviors. So it's a big pet peeve of mine. Look, when I'm out in public and I'm training a dog, it's funny. I'll even say, oh, I'm training the dog to not do this behavior. And the person goes, oh, it's okay. I don't mind that behavior. Here, let me encourage it and make it worse. (laughs) Oh, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. It gets under my skin. It really does. It's like, I don't really care what you want. This isn't about you. This is my dog. (laughs) So, uh, you know, if you're an Uncle Bob out there, (laughs) 
if you're the one ignoring the rules, please, please be respectful of other people, their animals, and their rules. So don't let your family members convince you that they love it when a dog misbehaves. So therefore, it's totally fine. Totally kosher. No worries. Who cares? <laughs> no, not okay. It's not their dog. Don't let anybody bully you on what you should or shouldn't be doing with your dog. So again, just just keep your rules in place. Don't worry about anyone, what anyone else says. That's just silly. Okay, so we've talked about those human intros. Make sure you're controlling it. Make sure you're maintaining focus with your dog. Make sure you have the ability to guide and direct their behavior. That's what that's what training's always about, right? But we've done those human introductions. What happens when your family member brings another dog in town? What happens when it's a dog your dog has never met? What happens when it's a dog you've never met and you know nothing about their behavior? This could be in a dog that has aggressive tendencies. And again, if Uncle Bob's the one bringing the dog, I'm not going to trust Uncle Bob's opinion on if his dog is aggressive or not because Uncle Bob doesn't even know what desired and undesired behaviors we should be reinforcing in a dog. Um, so that's something to think about. What do we do when other family members, friends maybe, bring their dogs in town and we don't know what to expect of that dog? Now, most people go, oh, just let them come in the house and let them figure it out. No, 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 no. Very bad idea. <laughs> very, very bad idea. That's not what we want to do. Look, introductions, as I said, I'll probably say it three or four more times, they set the tone. They set the tone for how it's going to be. Look, just uh, just last week, I had a client who uh, last minute needed a boarding situation for her dog as well as her grandson's dog that was coming in town. I mean, she calls me and goes, uh, he's going to be here in 30 minutes with his dog. <laughs> so she needed my help. And this uh, grandson's dog, we didn't know exactly to expect with its behavior. I was kind of walking into it too. And it was a little nuts. Okay. It was no, there was no rules, no boundaries. Uh, I, so what do you do in that scenario? Well, if you can, you call a professional and let them board the dog like they did with me. <laughs> and look, I came over and we, we had to do a proper introduction with the dogs in order to get these dogs to set the tone, to get along well to everybody, to just like two family members, I think at holiday time, that introduction is key. <laughs> if the introduction goes smoothly between two family members, it's more likely to stay smooth sailing for the rest of the holiday. But if it's a little rocky, I mean, come on, we know how the rest of the week might go. No different with the dogs. It's no different. Okay. So the best way to handle an introduction with your dogs is to go outside and a lot of people already know this. Go outside. Let your dogs uh, be on leash and introduce them outside the house. Okay, they're, they're more likely to feel less confined and less trapped, and that's less likely to cause issues. Now, of course, there's a really, there's kind of a process for this, and it's a little easier to show rather than explain. Um, but basically, what I like to do is I like to introduce dogs from a, a good distance, right? So for outside somebody's home, I want one dog to be on the sidewalk across the street, and I'll be with the other dog on the sidewalk uh, opposite side, right? We will walk back and forth from each other, and if those dogs ignore each other, we move 5, 10 feet closer to each other. Walk back and forth for a couple minutes. They're all good. I can maintain focus with my dog, and we're not having any problems, and they're good with each other. Cool. We move another 5, 10 feet closer. Now, if we move closer and all of a sudden there's an issue, guess what? We go backwards a step to the last place we had success, 5, 10 feet further away, run through the motions again, rinse and repeat as we always do. 
to the point that they're ignoring each other again. Then we move five to 10 feet closer, back and forth, so on and so forth. This process can take sometimes, you know, it can, it, it, it can take time. Uh, I've had it take up to 45 minutes before to get them to be able to get within 10 feet of each other and being okay. Now, of course, some of those dogs had some issues and um, that's why it maybe takes a little bit longer, but I can't stress it enough. Take your time with this introduction. I promise you, if you put in the time, take your time, let them get acclimated in a slow and comfortable way that those dogs each feel comfortable with it and we're not forcing it, you're going to have a lot more success. So once I get them worked to being about 10 feet away from each other or so, right, about about 10 feet distance, and they can just hang out, we don't have to keep moving, we don't have to keep redirecting their focus, we can just hang out with each other 10 feet, then we let the greetings go and we let them say hi. Now, again, if you've listened to my uh, front door segment, going to reference it again, uh, I talk about how we do the introductions to the humans, and it's no different with the dog. I want to keep it short and sweet. We're going to go in, let them sniff for half a second, and both of us turn and walk the other direction. Redirect, regain focus, reinforce, turn around, do it again. Rinse and repeat. Only a split-second introduction. That way, it's not building, okay? If we keep our intros nice and short and sweet, they won't build, They won't make the other dog uncomfortable. You get in, you get out, it's all good. Then I can extend it, five seconds, 10 seconds, so on and so forth, right? Then we'll go for a little walk together. Once the dogs are cool, we go for a little walk, then we'll go back inside the house. Guys, I cannot stress it enough. Take your time with those intros. It sounds like a lot, and it is, it's a lot of work, but you know something? A lot of work to keep stability and peace and make your dogs feel more comfortable because that's really what we want to aim to do, right? I want your dogs to feel comfortable and forcing those introductions can actually create the opposite effect. So slow down, take your time, do the introductions outside, start at a distance, try to work closer and closer while maintaining focus with your dog. Okay. Go for a little walk together. Then you go in the house. Take your time. <laughs> That's training is really it's about patience. It's about having an unlimited supply of patience. So if you really want to create success in in the crazy holiday times that we have, take your time, okay? Really really important. So remember those introductions, really important stuff. We really want to make sure we're doing them right. Now let's get on to another topic and that is food. <laughs> What foods should we absolutely not be feeding our dog? And this is this is important stuff. I think this is really kind of important to go over. Um, now, I do a brief segment on feeding dogs people food, so feel free to go back to one of my previous episodes and listen. I did a little short segment on that, and you can hear my thoughts on the subject of feeding dogs people food. But today, I'm really just going to focus on what foods you need to make sure you avoid. Make sure your dog isn't accidentally getting a hold of. Make sure you're not spilling on the ground, because there are a few that can be a little dangerous around the holiday time. Now, the first one, we all know it, bones. Yes, make sure your pup stays clear of turkey bones. We all know they can splinter, they can get in their throat, and of course, never a good thing. It can be fatal. It can cause some serious, serious injuries. So I can't stress that enough that making sure we're not dropping any bones accidentally, we don't have kids handing off bones to the dogs, make sure your kids know too. Um, That's something people don't think about. Uh, that your children might hand your dog a bone thinking they're, they're doing their buddy a favor. But really, really, again, no bones for dogs can be a really bad thing. Now, garlic and onions, we, most of us know we want to avoid that as well. Those can cause an upset stomach. They can actually damage a dog's red blood cells, decreasing oxygen flow. 
that can also lead to anemia and that can also lead, which, which may cause actually organ damage. So onions and garlic, really not a good thing. Make sure they're staying away from that. Now you've heard my thoughts on the pup cups at Starbucks. No dairy, no dairy for your dogs. It's not good for them. Too much rich dairy is very hard to digest. And of course, whipped cream has a ton of sugar in it, and that's really not good for your dog. So please don't be feeding your dogs dairy. It is not healthy for them. Now, also, no alcohol. Uncle Bob, again, I'm looking at you, buddy. <laughs> no feeding the dog beers. No cider for your pups. Not good stuff. Their livers are not equipped to deal with that. So please don't give your dog alcohol. Not a good thing. Now, sometimes there are grapes, raisins, things like that going around in holiday foods. Let's remember, guys, those are toxic to your dog. Even in a small amount, one or two grapes can be fatal. And unfortunately, we don't necessarily know which dog size, things that are more tolerant. It can kind of be a crapshoot with grapes. So be very, very careful with grapes and raisins. Make sure, again, we're not spilling them on the ground. Make sure the kids know not to feed dogs those things because it can be really, really bad stuff. So those are kind of the, you know, generalized foods you want to try to avoid at holiday time feeding your dogs. Now, one other thing people don't think about with the holidays, it's not just Christmas and Hanukkah and those fun things. We have New Year's coming up. What about those fireworks? I get that question a lot. What do I do with my dog and fireworks? <sighs> That's a tough subject. Uh, the reason why is because it's hard to set up. You know, I, I tell people a lot with training, I, I kind of need the undesired behaviors to come out. Not kind of. I need the undesired behaviors to come out to be able to redirect a dog show them a different behavior they can do and strengthen and condition that new behavior. So again, the, the, the bad stuff, the undesired behavior has to come out first. Um, fireworks are set off only a handful of days a year. Now, of course, I could go buy a lot of fireworks and set them off and play that game, but it's still not going to mimic uh, you know, the way it sounds on New Year's Eve, the way it sounds on 4th of July with hundreds of fireworks going off simultaneously. So it may not mimic it very well. So what do you do? You know, it, Here's the first thing you can do, and some people are not going to like to hear this, but it's the truth, and it's the same thing with thunder, too. Now, some dogs don't like fireworks and are fine with thunder. Some dogs are fine with thunder, don't like fireworks. So it's not always the same thing. But here's the truth of it, guys. You do not want to coddle your dogs. You don't want to coddle them. You don't want to be giving them love and affection and trying to, to, to reason with them that it's okay, it's okay. Dogs don't understand that. They just don't have the processing capabilities to be able to reason like that. They just don't. I wish they did, but they don't. That's the reality of it. The dog is only, they can only be as smart as a dog can be. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're still very intelligent creatures, of course. But I have to understand their level of thinking. Dogs are state of mind, okay? So if a dog is nervous, if a, if a dog is anxious, and I don't care if it's fireworks, I don't care if it's another dog making that dog nervous. If a dog is nervous and I give them affection, I just told them to keep doing that. I think you guys have probably heard in the past in one of my other segments where I talk about dog psychology 101, reinforcement, positive reinforcement to me kind of means, kind of means keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. So if I positively reinforce when my dog is feeling anxious, I, I'm telling them keep doing that, keep doing that. And that's not what we want to do, right? I don't want to tell my dog, keep being anxious. And again, I know a lot of people, they, they do it with good intentions. They're trying to coddle and comfort their dog, but it has the opposite effect. It can actually make it worse. 
So keep that in mind. We need to give our dogs tough love. You know, when, um, when my dogs were younger, two of my dogs didn't really love thunder and lightning when they were really young. And they got pretty scared and they tried to like climb on me and I would tell them, go away, get off of me, give me some space. I'm not mean about it, but give me some space. You're not going to, you know, nope, you need to be a big girl, big boy about it. You're going to go lay two feet away from me and deal with it. And they're a lot better at dealing with thunder and lightning now. They don't love it, of course, but they don't sit and shake. They don't run and hide. They don't panic. They don't pant. They just kind of don't really like it. I'm cool with that. They want to go lay in, you know, lay over by the, on a dog bed and, and just sit there and not look thrilled about it. I get it, you know. <laughs> Um, and we've tried, you know, we work on, we're working on conditioning and redirecting and redirecting that focus and making it better. And then they've been, they get better every time. So it's fantastic. Uh, but point is you can't coddle a dog when they're in an anxious state like that. You just can't look. I was at the vet office today. just today, uh, at the vet with my Chihuahua. And of course she, you know, she came to us with a ridiculous amount of anxiety issues. I mean, my goodness, she was poor, poor thing was a wreck. She's come a long way, and she does really phenomenal now overall. But moments like at a vet office, <laughs> uh, of course she's going to be a little more nervous. And when we walked in, she wasn't taking any treats from me. And, you know, that, that's fine. She's a little nervous. And she kept trying to lean up against me, lean up against me, and lean up against me. And I kept pushing her off and saying, nope, pushing her off, saying, nope. And I'm, again, I'm not being mean, just saying, give me a little space, give me a little space, give me a little space. And when you know it, after a few redirections, she ended up finally settling down and she ended up lying down. And once she laid down, I knew that was the signal. I reached in and gave her a treat and she took the treat that time. The vet tech looked at me and goes, is that like a special treat that calms her down or something? (laughs) No, it's not a magical treat that calms her down. I said, no, I had to give her tough love until she relaxed. Then once she relaxed, she gave me a behavior that I could reinforce. But until she gave me that relaxation, I couldn't reinforce it. Now, I know I'm getting a little off on a tangent here, but this is important stuff. Um, yeah, sure, we're not talking about the fireworks and holidays right now, but this is, this is important stuff here. This really is. And we're going to do, I'm going to do a whole segment on anxiety, so maybe I should cut myself off here. Um, but you know what? I will. I'll cut myself off. And we're, I'm just going to say, don't coddle your dog when they're anxious. It's not good going to help. You've got to give them a little tough love until they relax. And then once they relax, oh yeah, affection, food, all good. You know, I want to strengthen that behavior. I want to tell them I like that. Keep doing that. Okay. So how do you fix the fireworks? (laughs) You know, something, the best way to do it, go for a walk during the fireworks. It's not going to be pretty at first. Your dog is not going to love it at first. But if you can push them through it, if you can if you can help them and give them some tough love and try to build them confidence, you need to go out there and be confident with it. And of course, there is some technique to it. So I don't just recommend taking your dog and going out into the fireworks and going, hey, David told me to do this. Um, definitely get with a professional on that. It's very important you know what you're doing and the timing. And of course, if the dog is really scared, well, I don't want to push them too hard. It's being able to understand that balance too, guys. It's not an all or nothing kind of thing here. So disclaimer, don't just say David told me to when your dog gets more scared of fireworks, uh, right and the wrong way to do everything. But that can help. Believe it or not, that can help. But really one of the biggest things is that tough love, not coddling them and not reinforcing that behavior. Now, of course, you can try some CBD treats. I don't have a problem with that. I think CBD treats are great, but it's a Band-Aid. It's going to help you fix this. I, I Look, I look at things like that, like CBD and whatever. They're Band-Aids. They help, 
They cover the skin knee when you fell down and skinned your knee, right? That's what a Band-Aid does. But you know what the Band-Aid doesn't do? It doesn't teach you to stop falling down. <laughs> it only covers the knee after you scratch it. And so it's the same thing with CBD and, and any, any you know, even, even anxiety meds, which again, um, let's not talk about that right now. Um, but you have to be, you have to change the dog's behavior. Simple as that. You have to learn to redirect and change the, dog, the dog's behavior. But CBD can be a good option and a Band-Aid is all, it can be helpful. I'm not saying don't use Band-Aids, but Band-Aids can be helpful. You just can't rely on them. Okay, so with the fireworks, really the best thing you can do. Tough love, tough love. I cannot stress it enough. And of course, guys, the holidays, it is a crazy time. And it's stressful enough without having to worry about all the issues of your pup or any other family member's dogs. So remember, your rules for your dog don't go out the door just because we have family and friends around. You need to keep the same rules, same consistency in place. And of course, that same level of exercise, if not even a little bit more, uh, and walks. Now, proper introductions, we talked about those, really important with your guests, with people. Yes, it's paramount. It's paramount to have continued success with their behavior and do those introductions correctly to be able to create and maintain focus. Intros with dogs, same thing, guys. Family members, friends bringing dogs in town. We need to do a proper introduction. Make sure you're taking the dogs outside on leash, taking your time from a distance, trying to work them closer and closer together until they're okay with each other. Go for a walk then everything should be good to go. Take your time with everything, right? Anytime we're training, make sure you take your time and work through the issues. Don't push anything. Don't force anything. And of course, don't, don't force your dogs to do anything they don't want to do. Also important. Now, let's also remember, don't let your friends and family members tell you how to train your dog. Uncle Bob, I'm talking to you. Everybody's got an Uncle Bob out there who thinks he maybe knows better with the dogs. Well, I got news for you, Uncle Bob. You don't. Because if you did, you'd be a dog trainer for a living. <laughs> so remember, don't let anybody else bully you and tell you how to train your dog. It's your dog. Keep your rules, your boundaries in place, and you're going to have more success. As far as that holiday food goes, let's not forget, stay away from dairy, stay away from sweets, saltiness, grapes and raisins can be toxic. Make sure we're keeping those away. And of course, those tur turkey bones as well. They can splinter. We don't want any bones for our dogs. They can be fatal. So really not good stuff. Make sure you steer clear of all that bad stuff. Then when it comes to New Year's and fireworks, Tough love, guys. Tough love and a lot of exercise. That's what's going to help you out and set you up for the most success. So remember those tips and holiday time. While it might not be uh, smooth sailing with your family, it could be a little bit smoother with your, with your pup if you stick to those tips. In these crazy times we are living in right now, there is only one thing for certain. You got to eat. And if you got to eat, you better eat good. I know when I'm cooking and eating at home, I only want to use the highest quality ingredients. So I turn to my friend Ken Ko over at Southern Pride Gourmet Foods. You can check him out too over at southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Now they have barbecue sauces, spice rubs, hot sauces, and jellies just to name a few. I got my hands on some of that peach habanero jelly and I was putting it on everything. I was eating it on my toast in the morning. I also took some of Ken's barbecue sauce, slapped it on some pork, finished it off with some of that habanero jelly, stuck it in the oven, and it was sweet, tangy, spicy deliciousness. Absolutely amazing. Now, when you buy from Southern Pride Gourmet Foods, you know you're getting a quality product from a quality guy. 
Ken knows what he's talking about, and he better. He's been doing it right and doing it right for over 50 years. The best part, guys, Southern Pride delivers nationwide. That's right, nationwide delivery. Now, he also has amazing gift baskets, and with the holidays coming up, you're definitely going to want to get your hands on those, and definitely be sure you get your hands on some of the beef jerky Ken sells. It is some of the most delectable beef jerky I've ever tasted. I am a beef jerky fanatic. All different kinds of flavors to choose from. You know, you just have to do yourself a favor. Head on over to southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Check it out for yourself. That's right, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything they have is yummy for the tummy. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Newfoundland. I'm dedicating this segment to my wife, Jen, and she had actually a Newfoundland growing up, and his name was Dreyfus. He was a big dog. He weighed in somewhere around 180 pounds, yes. Now, we all know this giant breed. They are a working dog. Now, males usually reach 130 to 150 pounds. Dreyfus was a big boy, and females, they weigh in at 100 to 120 pounds, and their life expectancy is 9 to 10 years when kept in good health. Now, they are known for being great with children, being trusting and trainable, and they're also very outgoing and intelligent puppies, but early socialization, you know, that's a must. They're generally known for being eager to please and easy to train, and being a multi-purpose dog, these guys feel right at home in on land or in the water. They do need a, le- a medium level of exercise, and they love to be outside. They make great companions on a nice long walk or even a good hike. These big pups can excel at a variety of tasks, including agility, dock diving, herding, tracking, and obedience. Now, you do always need to keep an eye on the hips and elbows for dysplasia, as is the case with a lot of those big dogs, and of course, cardiac arrest as well. As with a lot of, uh, or excuse me, all drop-eared dogs, Newfies should be checked regularly for signs of infection. The origin of the Newfoundland, as with a lot of breeds, the true understanding, well, maybe it's buried in a bit of mystery. The breed as we know it today, it originated from dogs brought to England from Newfoundland in the early 1800s. There's quite a few different theories on where the Newfie's ancestry begins. Some say they were developed from dogs transported to Newfoundland by the Vikings, as there is evidence on uh, with large dog skeletons found in Viking settlements. But some say they evolved from the American Black Wolf or other native dogs, And another theory is that they developed from the interbreeding of European dogs brought back to Newfoundland in the 15th and 16th century by explorers. Either way the story goes, the first written record of a Newfoundland dog was in 1775 when George Cartwright applied the name of the breed's native island to his own dog. But it wasn't until the 18th century that the popularity of the breed began to grow. In 1802, When Lewis and Clark began their expedition across 8,000 miles of unknown wilderness, a Newfoundland by the name of Seaman accompanied them. He was useful as a hunter, a guard dog, and actually even once he saved the lives of the people on the expedition by running off a charging rogue buffalo. Today, Seaman is depicted in 10 different Lewis and Clark monuments across the country. The first recorded official showing of the Newfoundland was at the National Dog Show in Birmingham, England in 1860. Today, most Newfies lineage can be traced back to an English show dog named Seeky in the 1920s. And with those big, lovable jowls and their happy and gentle demeanor, it's easy to see why the Newfoundland remains a popular breed even today. 
you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Boss. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast in North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak Dogcast, it's our guest spot. Joining me today, I have Jesse Monkey Man Moore and Danielle Moore, and they are from Sunshine Monkey Shine. They're here to talk to us a little bit about their monkeys today, some of the work and education that they do. So please help me welcome to the show, Jesse Monkey Man Moore and Danielle Moore. How are you guys today? I'm good. How about you? Doing excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you guys so much for taking some time out to be here and speak with me today. Uh, so go ahead and just tell us a little more about what you do. Uh, so we do a little bit of everything in the animal world, uh, primarily primates. Uh, they are my favorite. We do everything from education to entertainment. Uh, so we go to schools, do educational programs. Uh, we go to events, do old school organ grinder acts for entertainment, movies, uh, We'll even work with vets sometimes on handling techniques, uh, things along those lines. So, and then we also work with other types of animals, but like I said, primarily primates, they're my favorite. Nice. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, how long have you been working with animals in general and, and of course, primates specifically? Uh, I've been working with animals for well, 13 years now. I started off with, uh, sugar gliders, flying squirrels, uh, animals along those lines, the smaller exotic animals. And I got lucky and met a, a guy around me. He had big cats and he did a bear, uh, he did a bear show. And, uh, <laughs> I got lucky enough. He brought me out. I was a groom for a while, worked with them, got to learn quite a bit along the species of the bears, uh, the big cats. Uh, you know, we had other things there, uh, pack of wolves, uh, some foxes, uh, raccoons. Uh, he did commercials, movies, shows. So uh, I learned, I really, really, really enjoy the bears. And uh, we're lucky every now and then uh, some of the zoos and facilities we get to go help at and train animals at have them. So I get to still be around them as a, uh, a real emotional and fun animal to be around yeah yeah Jesse, he was pretty much what you would call a groom for um the guy that he learned everything from so he kind of taught him everything he knows so now i'm jesse's groom so he's kind of teaching me everything i know now about exotic animals cool cool and how long danielle have you been working with exotics now um probably about nine years nine and that's years. how long we've been together for so nice. he's taught me everything i know <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah, that's great how'd you guys meet uh, dirt bikes. Uh, we let, oh, no we met at a local dirt bike track. <laughs> he <actually laughs> cool. Professional supercross and dirt bikes. So um, now he's retired. So now we just do a lot of animal stuff. Awesome. And so uh, tell me, what kind of animals do you guys have? Obviously monkeys, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, right now we have, we live with Poochins full time. And then we also have a little black Pomeranian. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, 
he's pretty fun. He was raised by the monkeys, so they play together all the time. So he's not your typical, uh, you know, little ankle biter dog that you run. <laughs> he's quite, he's pretty fun. He'll go around all the animals at the zoo. You know, we are, he'll go up to the bears we've been around and some of the big cats. You know, as long as he knows him, he'll go, <laughs> he'll go up to him. So, uh, it's pretty fun to watch. <laughs> That's cool. That's great. And so, uh, you know, you said you guys do some education work and all kinds of things. You know, uh, I was actually kind of curious to hear a little more about the circus work because that always really interests me. Um, you know, tell me a little more about that. Oh, man, it's absolutely uh, it's amazing. It's nostalgic yeah. when you go out there these days. You know, there's very few circuses left. So the shows that are around are, uh, you know, they're pretty high quality show because, you know, you're not on the road traveling, doing things that uh, this day and age, you know, if you don't have a. Uh, good act going on and you know good reputation but uh super fun we do the old school organ grinder act there so uh you know we have uh high class costumes top hats uh custom top hats for the monkeys custom costumes uh got the old school crank organ it's a old school 20 note street organ plays the paper rolls of music still it's a wood 20 <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it sounds awesome. Kids have fun playing it. You know, we'll play, you know, we'll have people come up and, you know, remind them of their childhood. So, and then, you know, the monkeys are, uh, they do, they're trained to do the old school organ grinder act where they can tip hats, take mon- uh, take the money, pocket it, various uh, <laughs> other tricks. They do pictures, give hugs, uh, you know, all kinds of awesome stuff like that. So, and uh, obviously with that, you know, not, uh, I'm sure, you know, if you work in animals, you know, not every not every monkey is for that. You know, they have to have the special personality to do it. And the ones that enjoy it, do it. And you know, the ones that don't enjoy it, you know, it's real easy and they don't do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Now I know there's always that, um, I mean, always, there is a huge misunderstanding of working with animals and, you know, making them do something. And people think that's so horrible. And, you know, look, animals need something to do and need tasks. And, and in the wild, and this is something I go over all the time. And even with a dog, something like a domesticated dog even, still needs a job at the end of the day and something to do. And it gives them fulfillment when you can give them enrichment like that by creating those tasks to do and then getting a reward and things like that. And, you know, I like when I, I love it when people are out there doing it in a nice, good and healthy way with animals and finding that balance. Um, so I'm really all yeah. about that. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing because, like you said, every animal has to have something to do. I, I mean, especially with the primates. Um, oh, yeah. like, say the ones that are trained to work, uh, like when we're off, the amount of time that we have to spend with them to keep <laughs> them going and keep them enriched because the smarter the animal, the harder they are. Oh, yeah. So, and then, you know, even, you know, we have a lot of, uh, most of our monkeys are ex, you know, pet monkeys per se yeah. and you know people get them and they don't really know what they get themselves into so you know we get some of them that are you know we get them and they're absolutely amazing after we have them for a while and then we have other ones that are at uh very secluded sanctuaries with just a couple keepers around because you know they're you know they don't like to be around people they don't like other monkeys or they don't get along with certain ones. so like they're paired up with just the ones that you know the other primates they want to be around you know so whatever works for that animals you know what needs to be done and they still have you still train them to come up and you know say present their tail show them your teeth you know so if you got to do a vet call yeah, exactly. or you know anything like that yep. so it's it's just like with a pe- with people anything you need something to do and you need to stay going you know if you're yeah. if you like to be sitting there then you know you run into a lot of problems definitely 
you know, a couple uh, a couple episodes ago, I actually had on um, a good friend of mine, and she's assistant director at an exotic animal rescue up in Orlando area. And I used to live up there a few years back, and I volunteered there quite a bit. And it was fast. We had, we had um, I think it was three capuchin monkeys and a spider monkey that came in together. Just like you said, an ex-pet situation where somebody was not very responsible about it. Uh, and it, it was amazing to hear their story of where they started behaviorally with not being given tasks, not being given fulfillment, not being given enrichment, even affection and all those things. Uh, and the director uh, there, Kristen, she did a phenomenal job, absolutely just night and day difference with these animals um, and being able to change their lives like that. And it's a- exactly the same thing. I love hearing that. They accommodate them. You guys accommodate them to each individual animal and what their needs are. And that's fantastic. And I love hearing that. So that's, that's cool. Very nice. Yeah. It's just like with, you know, the canines or, yeah. you know, anything on the dog side too, you know, people get the animals and they don't understand how they work as an animal and what they Absolutely. need. It's never the, an- it's never the animal's fault. You know what I mean? Like if, if somebody messes up, you know, as, as hard as it is for people to hear, it's, it's always the person's fault. You know what I mean? When you get a high driven animal, I mean, it could be anything, you know, you have to know what you're getting into and exactly what they need and how they work as an animal. You know what I mean? And uh, just same thing with the canines. If they don't have their boundaries, you know, the monkeys are 97% same DNA. We are, if you don't know, if you don't have your manners and your discipline intact and, you know, they hit adulthood, it's just like, you know, with pit bulls, German shepherds, anything that they start to run the person, you know, yep. and then they run the household and then the people are scared of them. And, you know, it's the person's fault. Never, yep. you know, and it comes down to the animal. Yeah. You know, every, so. Everybody out there hear that? <laughs> <laughs> everybody out there hear that? Potential clients, my current clients? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have to have that respect and the yes. love. When you're working with an animal, once you get the respect, the boundaries, the trust, and the love, there's there's nothing that can beat that, yeah. and there's nothing that will break that because people, you cannot force. I mean, you, you as you know, you can't force an animal to do anything, and if you do, it's not going to work out yeah. good for you. Teach them where they want to love to do it, and they always know it's positive. You just always want to do it, just like you or I. You know, when you have a good time doing it, you always want to do it. Or, yep. You know, you just want to keep doing it. Yeah. So. Understanding the animal's motivation, being able to tap into that, and then increase it through reinforcement. Exactly. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, it, I, I, you know, I don't think, I mean, maybe you're already doing it, and that's perfectly fine, but I'd like asking, this is kind of a new question I've been asking some of the animal people I'm having on, and you could have a dream job, you know, funding, money, income, nothing, nothing matters, right? With animals, what what's the dream job? Man, I uh, pretty much got it. I can't complain. Um, I grew up racing dirt bikes and always loved animals. Uh, I was homeschooled. I actually had uh, I had a couple offers to go to school to be a vet when I graduated, and I was already working with animals. And I turned it down as I was racing motorcycles for a living. So I followed that passion. I'm super glad I did. I had to retire from some injuries and uh, I was just lucky enough that I, I got to work with enough people, enough animal trainers, enough vets, uh, you know, universities hands on to learn what I needed to do. So when I retired, I, I, I consider myself pretty lucky that I was able to transition into this as, you know, there's very, very few people that, you know, can do this for a living anymore. And, um, yeah, if I couldn't do it, I'd, I'd still have my primates. I'd much rather be around them than, uh, than, than most, most people. people. <laughs> so, I, lo- I love my animals. Yeah. I mean, they're 
they're amazing. Like, as I said, as you have that, once you have that trust and the bond with this, I mean, it's just most amazing thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I've, you know, I've worked with primates a bit and it's, it's such a different thing connecting with an animal that has the, you know, has the processing capabilities they do, has the perhaps depth of emotions. And I don't want to get too much onto that because then we get into the philosophical debate of how much do you know that an animal can feel? And uh, all right, (laughs) don't get angry at me, people. You know, know, like when they connect and you can see like with different people, how they react to different people and who they like, you know, so once you get that connection, it's unbreakable. Yep. You know, so, yeah. And it's, it's awesome to see. Yep. And it's, it's, you know, I, I tell people stories all the time working with animals and say, you know, oh, I had this hawk and I could literally snuggle her up against me. Like, you know, I literally, I mean, this hawk was the coolest hawk I've ever worked with. She was amazing. And I could just hold on to her like a little thing. Um, couldn't do that with every bird I work with. You can't get that feeling working through a cage. You know, you can't. You, you can't get that connection. You have to work full contact with these animals to truly gain an understanding and appreciation. And with that said, by no means am I encouraging anybody to go out and get a primate because 99.9% of the population should not own one. Now, I don't think it's an all or nothing, as I've discussed before in my podcast. I don't think it's every, you know, <laughs> let's not get into the big cat lady on TV who says it's an all or nothing <laughs> BS. Uh, yeah. because that's absurd. And like I've said before, anybody who says it has to be me or no one, come on people. There's some ulterior, there's some ulterior motives going on there and some things that are not okay. Um, right. to me, it's about Very creating cool. balance. And like you said, the amount of work, the amount of time you have to put into something like a primate, let alone a macaw or a dog or any, you know, any of these animals. Um, that's just it. It's, it, it's not for everybody having an exotic animal, but it should be for some people because the, the amount of education, understanding, enrichment that we can get from that relationship and that bond, you, you, you can't, there's, there, the value on that is just ridiculous. You can't measure that. Um, so I, I love it. I love hearing that kind of stuff. So fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And yes, yeah, as you said, it should be, you know, I mean, there should be, some, you know, there are some good regulations in some states. Yes. And, you know, that's how it should be. You should yes. have to. You know, I mean, you should have to understand what you're getting into and what's happening and, you know, but you should be able to have it because for some people, some people, it can be the greatest thing because that's what they dedicate their time and their life to it. That's what it becomes. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not, you know, when people say that they do, they make a horrible pet, a pet, something you can go to work, uh, you know seven days a week, eight hours a day, you know, you can't do that with something that has the capacity of a primate, a macaw, even a really highly driven dog, yeah. you know, I mean, Malawas or, you know, anything like that, that people have issues with, you know, I mean, that's because those, those animals have to be, you have to be there and live that lifestyle. And that comes back to understanding how the animal works as an animal. You have to understand that before you get one and not get it. And then do the research and be like, why am I having these issues, etc. You know, that's that is that. As I said, that's the it goes back to the people and not the animal. But, I mean, because every yeah. animal has every animal has a place. I mean, you know, people and animals have been uh, coexisting for a very, very, very long time. You know, so and uh, 
Yeah. So, and it's it's pretty easy to see. There's some people that animals absolutely love, and there's some people that <laughs> animals aren't uh, real fond of. Yes. <laughs> Makes you wonder what's going on inside their brains, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I agree. You know, you know, it's uh, it's funny you. you you're, you're touching on a lot of things that I have already preached on this podcast and I love it, especially with the dog side, of course. Uh, you know, it's funny cause it's, it's relevant right now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick on this person in case they decide to start listening to my podcast. Cause I, in one way they're kind of a new client and another way they're not. Uh, but look, they're, they're, I would guess in their twenties and they got a dog, a breed that they should not have. And I was, I look, I boarded this dog in a last minute situation for them, never having met this dog before. And my God, <laughs> talk about lack of boundaries lack of rules lack of anything anything i mean it's, it's just it's just all it's like a ping pong ball this thing just um, all yeah man it is unreal and i mean it's funny because my wife looks at me and goes how do people put up with this and i'm like dude I don't, I, it gives me a job i don't know <laughs> how do people put up like how do they let it go like, and, how, like, and to me it's like how do how do you think mentally that's okay for a dog to act like that? Like, let alone you having to be annoyed by it. What about what you're doing to that dog mentally? You know, oh, yeah. that's the part yeah. that kind of gets me. It's like, ah, and again, people don't research. Yeah. People don't think about what they're getting. They don't look into the breed and what comes with that. And it's, I think that was the last episode I talked about that. Uh, maybe two. Anyway. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable some of the stuff I see, even just with pets, even in the animal dog world, you know, it's, it's nuts. Um, but I think the further, the further we evolve as people, the further we get away from our animal, animalistic roots, if you will. And I think we forget how to communicate with them. And I think it's a lack of understanding more than anything, a complete lack of understanding and ignorance. It's not anybody's fault. Our schools are failing. I told this story a couple episodes ago when I used to work at an animal show. We'd bring out birds and animals for people to see and take pictures with. And uh, one time I had a hawk on my arm and this kid comes up to me. He's like 12, 13 years old and looks at it and goes, wow, what kind of owl is that? You know, and... <laughs> Isn't that the evidence right there that we're kind of failing our kids and that we have no connection with nature and no understanding of animals? Like, I don't expect them to know the species, you know, the exact species, what bird is it? But come on, an owl and a hawk, it's like, they don't look the same. Um, we're not educating people correctly. So it's it's an ignorance. Uh, and it's not to be insulting or anything. Ignorance, and you know, it's not their fault necessarily. Um yeah, and as you said, you know, the ignorance thing, ignorance breeds fear, you yeah. know, people don't, you know, there's a lot of kids, as you said, they're disconnected from nature, they don't even know what an animal is, you know, half the time, as you were yes. saying, so it's awesome, you know, when we go to do some of these educational programs, or we're at a facility where, you know, they have field trips coming out, and we see a lot of kids that, you know, are really disconnected they don't know anything about it they can come up and they'll be all nervous or you know they don't know how to act around the animal or they don't have respect and you know like when i'm doing a show the monkeys will come in i'll introduce them i'll tell them all about you know teach them about the prehensile tail show them their opposable thumb uh, you know all the fun things like that and uh, you know i tell them if they can't have the respect you know the monkeys have respect and manners so can they so when you're doing the show, you know, uh, most of the kids understand that because it clicks in their brain that they won't be able to see the monkey or touch the monkey if, you know, they don't have the manners. So uh, it's fun to watch, you know, things like that click in kids' heads when you teach them and they can connect with that. Definitely. And then, 
you know, instead of them being scared when they first come up and being all nervous, you know, you can, you know, you can slowly have them check them out and feel them. And by the time they leave, it's something they absolutely love and it's something they'll never forget it. So, you know, they're not scared of it anymore. And then they have that love for animals and nature and, you know, so it's always awesome to see that when it happens. Absolutely. You know, really one of my favorite things to do is just stand in front of people with an animal and talk about it. Um, again, like you said, that moment, you just see it click with kids and with getting people over their fear of animals. And it's, it's fantastic to help create that and facilitate that understanding. Uh, so that's awesome. Awesome. Love it. This was great. You guys are a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. This has been really Thank great. You. Yeah. And so yeah, next time, uh, next time you're down here in the Florida Martin County area, we'll definitely have to connect and, uh, I'll meet your monkeys. I'd love to. And that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So thank you for your time. Really. Thank you. Taking, taking your time out and being here. Cause I know you probably have to go, um, clean up some monkey poop after this call. And, uh, <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so again, thank you guys. Uh, you know, Jesse and Danielle Moore from sunshine monkey shine phenomenal. And you guys have a website or anything anybody can check out. Uh, I have a personal Facebook and Instagram. It's go. Jesse monkey man Moore, And then, um, we do have a website. It gets updated periodically. My business partner takes care of it. It's called sunshinemonkeyshines.net. And um, she's awesome. She's been an awesome part of our career also. She's an older lady. Uh, she's almost 70 years old now, and she's been in the primate world for oh, 35 years or so. And she's cool. done everything also, all the all the uh, school programs, college programs, uh, you know, handling techniques for people. So it was, uh, it's really cool to be able to keep her legacy going on also along with, you know, growing our own. And so, I mean, I uh, have to thank her also for everything. So, and I appreciate you having us on and uh, maybe we'll get to chat on the show in the future. And like you said, uh, we'll be down there sometime, hopefully uh, after this new year and we'll catch up with you. Sounds great. Hey, thanks again, guys. In these crazy times we are living in right now, there is only one thing for certain. You got to eat. And if you got to eat, you better eat good. I know when I'm cooking and eating at home, I only want to use the highest quality ingredients. So I turn to my friend Ken Ko over at Southern Pride Gourmet Foods. You can check him out too over at southernpridegourmetfoods.com. They have barbecue sauces, spice rubs, hot sauces, and jellies, just to name a few. I got my hands on some of that peach habanero jelly, and I was putting it on everything. I was eating it on my toast in the morning. I also took some of Ken's barbecue sauce, slapped it on some pork, finished it off with some of that habanero jelly, stuck it in the oven, and it was sweet, tangy, spicy deliciousness. Absolutely amazing. Now, when you buy from Southern Pride Gourmet Foods, you know you're getting a quality product from a quality guy. Ken knows what he's talking about, and he better. He's been doing it right and doing it right for over 50 years. The best part, guys, Southern Pride delivers nationwide. That's right, nationwide delivery. Now, he also has amazing gift baskets, and with the holidays coming up, you're definitely going to want to get your hands on those, and definitely be sure you get your hands on some of the beef jerky Ken sells. It is some of the most delectable beef jerky I've ever tasted. I am a beef jerky fanatic. All different kinds of flavors to choose from. You know, you just have to do yourself a favor. Head on over to southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Check it out for yourself. That's right, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything they have is yummy for the tummy.
At the beginning of today's episode, I announced that I'm going to be doing a new short, very short segment, and that is a trivia question. Yeah, so today's trivia question was the first one, and the question was, what breed of dog is Snoopy? The answer? He's a beagle. Yes, Snoopy from Charlie Brown, he is a beagle. Now, of course, I will have a new question for you next week, dog-related in some way or another, and uh, we'll have that on the new episode, and of course, Episodes are airing every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. That's when we're going live. So I have a new episode coming out for you every week. I hope you guys check back. Check out the content. Let me know if you're loving it. Click that subscribe button. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Hey, connect with me on social media. My Instagram is speakadogcast. I'm going to be posting some new content up there. Just posted a great video of actually a demonstration of how to greet your dogs at the front door last week. Uh, So be sure you check that out. Again, reach out to me on those social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook as well. Speak a Dogcast, Instagram, Speak a Dogcast. I'd love to hear from you guys. Of course, don't forget those questions for the Q&A. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. up on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Michelle in Atlanta, Georgia. Michelle asks, do dogs dream? Well, Michelle, yes, we actually have discovered that dogs do dream. It usually occurs about 20 minutes after they've fallen asleep, but the real question is, what are they dreaming about? And that, well, that we don't know. Next question. This comes from Vicky in Orlando, Florida. Vicky asks, why do dogs have wet noses? Dogs' noses act as a sweat gland, and wetness can mean that they're discharging heat. Now, wet noses can also actually increase a dog's ability to smell. The wet mucus on the nose can trap scent, and then it is licked by the dog, and it allows them to better understand and process the smells around them. Next question. This comes from Tammy in Youngstown, Ohio. Tammy asks, Is my dog sad when I leave the house? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) Tammy, I don't know if your dog is sad or happy without asking them. Now, we're not going to get into this ethical debate of how do you know an animal has emotions? Guys, don't get mad at me. Yes, I do believe animals have emotions. I think we've almost proven that. But to what depth? Well, we can't really decide. So is your dog happy or sad when you leave? That I don't know. What I can tell you is, does your dog have anxiety over when you leave? Is there separation anxiety? Now, I don't view that as happy or sad. Uh, I view that as a frustration. That's a frustrated behavior. So if your dog does have separation anxiety when you leave, again, not necessarily happy or sad, uh, but it is an undesired behavior that you need to correct through exercise, training, rules, and boundaries. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening, and a special thank you to Jesse Monkey Man Moore and Danielle Moore for joining me on the guest spot. If you have any questions for the Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a review, let me know what you think, find us on social media, have a wonderful holiday, and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Music.